speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Before, before my mother died, which happened uh, right before we all separated with COVID, uh, we had a lot of, of time to talk in her nursing home room, and she became what I call my personal ancestry.com because I asked her lots of questions about uh, earlier generations of our family. And she told me a story about either my great-great-grandfather, her great-great-grandfather, or maybe her great-grandfather. We couldn't really figure out the dates. A story I'd not heard before. So get this, he's a 20-year-old living in a small town in Denmark, Denmark. And the guy apparently met some Americans from a relatively new movement called Mormonism. And he was so taken, 20 years old, he was so taken with their message that he dropped everything. He left Denmark, he got on a boat and began a pilgrimage across the Atlantic and across the continent, hoping to reach Salt Lake City. Once he got to this country, he made his way to St. Louis and he stopped there for a little bit and he met some Methodists. And for whatever reason, he kind of decided that the Methodists would be a better fit for him spiritually. So he stayed with them. And if he hadn't met them in St. Louis, maybe I would be preaching in Utah. <laughs> That's all about all I know about this guy, all my mother knew, uh, allowing me to fill in the gaps with my own imagination. And I found myself wanting to write a novel or make a movie about this adventurous young 19th century seeker, someone willing to leave behind everything for some deeper spiritual connection maybe like Abraham headed for a land not knowing where he was going. Or maybe like the Magi who saw a star and set on a journey with an unknown destination, really, as I imagine details of the wise men's story, I doubt they expected that their journey would end with them worshiping a baby. I doubt that they could have known that their journey would lead to Jesus, to steal a title from C.S. Lewis' book, which described his own uh, conversion experience, the Magi were surprised by joy. So what, let me ask this, what has been your own spiritual journey bringing you to this time and this place this morning? Have there been surprises along the way? Did it ever call for courage? At the beginning of a new year, a time for reflection, I invite you to take a look in your own personal spiritual rearview mirror and think about what brought you to this faith community, a community trying to figure out what it means to be a Jesus follower in Manhattan these days. What got you moving in your spiritual journey? Were previous generations a part of that story? In our tradition, uh, the journey is all about how we come day by day to see Jesus more clearly, to love him more dearly, to follow him more nearly. And I'm wondering how you see that happening today, maybe how it's happening in your life. Last week on Christmas Eve, the New Yorker published an article about a book written by Robert Hudson. The book's entitled Seeing Jesus visionary encounters from the first century to the present. And the reviewer describes this author as being at once skeptical and devotional. Sounds like an Episcopalian to me. 
<laughs> Mr. Hudson considered all kinds of visions of Christ over 2,000 years. One in particular stands out. He writes in his epilogue, centuries of Christian thinkers, most of whom were not mystics, have told us that we see the face of Jesus every day, walking the streets of every city, in the face of every person. 15th century Saint Nicholas of Cusa wrote, in all faces is seen the face of faces, veiled and in a riddle. And the author talks about that parable in Matthew's gospel about the sheep and the goats, a story of surprise when Jesus says on judgment day that the righteous will be separated from unrighteous, judged according to how they treated the least of their brothers and sisters. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Christ comes in the form of the beggar, of the dissolute human child in ragged clothes, asking for help. He con confronts you and every person that you meet as long as there are people. Christ will walk the earth as your neighbor, as the one through whom God calls you, speaks to you, makes demands on you. The article claims that if we were to see Jesus, he would not look like the person ideals, idealized in Western art, not supernatural or spectral, but humble and human. And even if Mr. Hudson isn't sure what to make of all the visions in his book, he ends the book with a story from the pandemic when he meets a panhandler and can't help but want to help him, partly because he's been working on this book. After handing the guy a $20 bill, Hudson asks the man his name. The man says, my name is Josh, as he walks away, which is the anglicized version of Yeshua, the Hebrew name of Jesus. Hudson writes, the skeptic in me says, how did you know, how did you know it was him? And the mystic in him says, how did you know it wasn't? That is one way seeing Christ in each other, reflecting the promise in baptism that we see Christ in all persons, to which I had the wisdom of one of my mentors who said that sometimes Christ comes very well disguised. But that's not the only way we can see Jesus these days. Theologian James Kay explored a bunch of ways we see Jesus, uh, including that we see Christ in serving the least among us. For many people, Christ is revealed in the word, in Bible study, in Bible reflection, and especially in the word when it's preached. We've got some of that going on here because in this pulpit, I'm looking at it right this moment. There's this little plaque that says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus from John 12. It's kind of coaching for the preacher. Eastern Christians see Christ present in icons, not unlike this one over here that's a new addition to our uh, uh, sanctuary. Encountered with that mystical visual offering a gift of instrument of faith. Evangelical brothers and sisters often speak of encounter with Christ as intimate friendship captured in that hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I got to say, they sometimes overemphasize that individual personal relationship at the expense of community and Episcopalians sometimes underemphasize the importance of that giving of our own heart, each one of us. And finally, and perhaps principally, uh, many, including this congregation and our denomination, rely on meeting Christ in the Eucharist 
as we see the body of Christ and then we come to be the body of Christ, his hands and feet in our beautiful, broken world. We recognize all these ways that we can make that journey to see Jesus. The Gospels are full of those kinds of stories of people who make that journey. Uh, Nicodemus comes at night to meet Jesus, scratching his head. Zacchaeus literally and figuratively goes out on a limb to see Jesus. Disciples follow Jesus, answering his invitation, come and see, open-ended. After the resurrection, a cast of characters meet Jesus. They're confused or fearful or clueless, but bit by bit and much to their surprise, they see him and they recognize him and they worship him and they follow him when he breaks the bread, when he speaks their name, when he addresses their doubts, when he knocks them off a horse on the Damascus road. So here we are, uh, we're one day into the new year. Uh, I'm doing pretty well on my New Year's resolutions. How about you? <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> I'm wondering if you and I can begin this open-ended journey of this new year and judged on last year, it's open-ended. Can we begin with this resolution? Can we make a commitment to explore more deeply what it means to see Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to take that spiritual adventure? Can we do so with courage? A wonderful word, which is a combination of bravery and heart, as the word courage shares the French line, uh, uh, root for the word heart. As we've noted, there are many ways that can happen. And while there are a lot of folks folks floating around the current religious scene who want to tell you exactly how it has to happen. It may be best to recognize that as we mimic the Magi, or maybe my great-great-great-grandfather, and launch our journey, our encounter can come in all kinds of ways and very often come as surprise. And here's the amazing news, tidings of great joy. That kind of meeting is still possible. Because you see, Jesus is more than memory, though we recount the events of his life. Jesus is more than model, though we count on him to teach us. Jesus is more than metaphor, though his life provides many interpretations and applications. The amazing news we have to share is that Christ is alive. Our friend, our brother, our Lord. As we sort out what that means for us, the marvel of amazing grace is that he is seeking us, bidden or unbidden, God is present. So in every Christmas season, we tell the story of Christ's journey to find us and embrace us. And every Sunday we celebrate Easter, little feast of the resurrection, affirming Christ's persistent liveliness, Christ's readiness to meet us, to show us the way to strengthen us for the journey. With that in mind, may we this morning and this Christmas season and in this open-ended new year, commit to the journey filled with surprises for sure, echoing the words of St. Paul. May we come to know Christ and the power of his resurrection as we begin again this new year, singing with our lips and with our lives, singing along with the Magi, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Amen.